Great to be here this morning. Just because of time, I'm going to get straight into it. If you have your Bibles, can you please turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to be reading from verses 1 to 7. 2 Kings chapter 4 will be on the screen behind me. It says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live off of what is left over. You and your sons can live on what is left over. This morning I want to speak on the title, I Don't Like Leftovers. I Don't Like Leftovers. I don't know about you, but I I don't really like leftovers. I know some of you are looking at me like, leftovers, what is that? I won't mention any names, but I know there's some families you never experience leftovers because the food is gone before it even reaches the table. But I don't really like leftovers. And I remember there was a time where my dad had just married my mom and my mom was cooking for the family. My mom had cooked this really nice uh, Chinese authentic fish soup dish. And uh, it's a very tasty dish. If you've been brought up on it, it's a staple to your diet. But if you've never had it before, chances are you probably won't like it. Uh, It's got an acquired taste and acquired smell to it. And so my mom loves this dish, but my dad wasn't and still isn't a fan of this dish. And so uh, (laughs) they're just married. My mom brings out this dish for my dad. And, you know, he, he wants to be polite. You know, they just got married, so uh, he doesn't want to rock the boat. So, you know, he, he eats a little bit. He eats it, and he probably thought, okay, you know, it's not too bad. But to his dismay, the next day, my mom brings out the same dish. Surprise, it's your favorite fish soup dish. And uh, he's looking at it again. He wants to be polite, so he takes a smaller bowl this time, and he probably thought, okay, the worst is over. But on day three, my mom brings out the same dish. And on day four, and by day five, my dad's fears are, are just being realized. And he's probably thinking, is this the only dish that Nancy knows how to cook? Am I going to have to eat this dish for the rest of my life? What have I married into? Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, I like leftovers when it's the food I like. But my question is, uh, if it's so good, why is it left over? What do you do? when you're dealing with the leftovers of life. You know, there, there, are no, there are no trades in life. You can't take your bowl of soup and ask for a pizza. So what do you do when you're, you're stuck in a deficit, stuck with the leftovers of life? I think if there's anyone who can relate to this, it's this widow. Second Kings chapter 4 tells us of this widow who has just lost her husband. We don't know her name. We don't even know her husband's name. But what we do know is that her husband was serving in a group of prophets under Elisha. He, he was a God-fearing man. Many prophets in those days were, were worshiping Baal, but, but this man was, was a serving God. He was a faithful man. He was a God-fearing man. But, but even though he was faithful, even though he served the Lord, he died. 
but, but wait, how, how is that possible? I thought if we loved God, nothing bad would happen to our lives. And I think some of the, t- the tension that we sometimes wrestle with is we think if we serve God, nothing bad will happen. We think if we are faithful, we won't face any trouble. But I want to let you know, God never promised us a trouble-free life. In fact, John 16, Jesus said, I have said these things so that you may have peace in me. In the world, you will face tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We will face troubles. We will face a storm. But the proof of the presence of God is not that the storms didn't come, but it's that when the storms came, God was still with us. God is still with us in our storms. This this woman has just lost her husband, and now she has to deal with the leftovers. And dealing with bereavement to a loved one is hard enough, but, but she was facing so much more. She wasn't just dealing with the loss of her husband, but, but uh, the creditors were coming after her two sons. The little that she has is being threatened. So she comes to Elijah and says, my husband who served you is dead, and now the creditors are coming to, to take my two sons as slaves. There was a debt that she needed to pay. Now, I don't know if this was a debt that, that the husband had while he was alive or if it was a debt occurred because he died. Whatever the reason is, this woman has a debt that she has to pay, but she can't. And in those days, if you couldn't pay your debt, you had to work your debt off. And so creditors would come after your children. They would come after your sons to work the debt. And these creditors were coming after her two sons. Her sons were not only her children, not only her flesh and blood, but they were her means to survival. Without her husband, her sons would have to go and bring in the food for her. So they were her means to provision. So not only is she dealing with the loss of her husband, not only is she dealing with with the loss of her potential loss of her sons, but now she's dealing with, with the potential loss of her provision. If, if there was ever a reason to complain about the leftovers of life, this is it. She's stuck in a deficit, and it's not even her fault. It's not her fault that, that her husband has died. It's not her fault that, that her sons are being taken away. It's not her fault that she's not going to have any provision. This woman is under attack, and what she is facing is coming from her past, her present, and her future. She has to deal with the past death of her husband, the present dilemma of her sons, and the future threat to her provision. And now she's left in a place of loneliness, a place of bereavement, a place of disappointment, and a place of despair. What she has is not enough to deal with the situation. I want to ask you, what do you do when your need is greater than your supply? When your need is greater than your supply? Because I think some of us can relate to this woman in in being in a place of of a deficit. We've come to church and maybe you're here and you're facing a deficit emotionally, maybe a deficit financially, maybe even a deficit spiritually. You don't have what it takes to handle the situation. God, I don't don't have what it takes to deal with my marriage. I don't have what it takes to to look after my kids. I don't have what it takes to push past the pain. I'm in a deficit, and my need is greater than my supply. And I think what can be hard for us to accept is when it's not even our fault. When we didn't even choose the battle. I didn't choose to be in a fight for my marriage. I didn't choose to be struggling with my mental health. I didn't choose to be crippled financially. I think we could all agree, no one chose this year, right? We, we didn't choose to be here. But now what we're facing is coming after our past, our present, and our future. It's hard not to think about the plans that have been delayed because of COVID, what's happening right now, and the future plans that may or may not happen whenever lockdown ends. 
We didn't choose this fight, but now we, we have to face the consequences, the pieces that, that are left. And for some of us, we're stuck in places of loneliness, stuck in places of disappointment, places of frustration, maybe even places of confusion. We're saying, God, why did you allow this to happen? I was serving you. I, I was faithful. Why am I stuck in this situation? But I want to ask you, when you're in a difficult place, when you're stuck in a deficit, where do you turn to? Because this woman is in the battle of her life. She's in a difficult moment, but it says she turned to Elisha. And I want to let you know, God is big enough to handle whatever situation you bring to him. He's big enough to handle your frustrations. He's big enough to handle your disappointments. He's big enough to handle your complaints. God is big enough to handle whatever you bring to him. Someone needs to be reminded that God is big enough. And God can handle whatever we bring to him, but he won't take what we don't willingly give to him. And so that's why we got to ask ourselves, when I'm in this difficult place, where do I turn to? Do I, do I keep things in my own strength or do I bring it to God? This, this widow turns to Elisha and he, he says, what can I do to help you? What's in your house? And she says, I only have a small jar of oil. I find it interesting that before Elisha gives her a command, before he, he gives a solution to the problem, he asks her a question. Now, Elisha knows that she's in a desperate place. He knows that she doesn't have enough to pay the creditors. So why is he asking, what do you have in your house? See, Elijah is going to help her, but he is going to use the oil that is in her house to bring about the miracle. Because when God wants to work through us, he uses what's inside of us. But in order to use what's inside of us, we need to see past our limitations. We need to see past our limitations. Well, what was this, this, this woman's limitation? Well, you can see it in her response to Elisha. because She says, I have nothing except a small jar of oil. She didn't, think that, she didn't think that what she had was enough. And to be honest, I don't blame her because she wasn't lying, was she? She only had that, that small jar of oil. But, but uh, this is all she physically had. But I, I want to say that her limitation wasn't physical. Let me say that again so we can digest that because her limitation wasn't physical. Her limitation wasn't her oil or even lack of oil. Her limitation was that she couldn't see beyond her oil. And we think that the, the, the limitations that we face are physical. We think it's based on how much money we have, the, the degree we achieved, or even how long we've been a Christian. So we base our limitations on something physical, but often the limitations that we face are not external, but they're internal. That's why Elisha asked the question, what do you have in your house? Because Elisha wanted to deal with her limitations. He wanted to deal with how she viewed her oil, but more importantly, what she thought God could do with her oil. And I want to let you know, God wants to deal with your limitations, your mindsets, your belief systems that limit him from using what's inside of you. Did you know that you can limit God? Psalm 78, the psalmist is talking about a people who are rebelling and not trusting in God. And it says, they tested God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. You can limit God. Now, I don't want this to get twisted because, because God, he can, he can work if God wants to. He's not restricted to our belief or unbelief. He is the Almighty One. And if he wants to, he can work despite our unbelief. But God chooses to work with what we see. He chooses to work according to our faith. And so if we don't see beyond our limitations, 
If we don't correct our belief systems about who God is and, and, and the power that is at work in us, we minimize what he can do inside of us. We need to see beyond our limitations. And to see beyond our limitations, we need to take off the cap. I almost titled this message, No Cap. If you, if you, if you, know, if you know it, no cap or stop the cap means stop lying. And I think we, we need to take off the limitations, take off the cap, because too often we listen to the lies of the enemy over the truth of God's word. We listen to the lie that says that oil, that thing inside of you is not enough. And so we listen to the lie that says you are a mistake, even though God says you're my masterpiece. We listen to the lie that says you're a failure, but God says you're more than a conqueror. We listen to the lie that says you're not seen, you're not recognized, but God says I engraved you in the palm of my hand. I formed you in your mother's womb. You may feel weak, but God says my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So I want to declare it's time to take off the cap. Stop limiting what God can do in your life. Stop looking at your oil and start focusing on what God can do with your oil because it might only seem like a small jar of oil, but if God says pour, there will be an overflow. It may only be a stone in a sling, but if God says shoot your shot, it'll take out the giant. It might only be five loaves and two fish, but when you put it into God's hands, it will multiply. Stop the cap. I'm going to take off my cap because I serve a God who can do exceedingly, abundantly more than I imagine or think of according to the power that is at work in us. Stop the cap. See beyond your limitations. Stop looking at your oil and start focusing on what God can do with your oil because there is no cap with God. There is no cap with God. Elisha asks this question because he wants the widow to see beyond her oil, to push past her, her limitations, and to push past her feelings. I think one of the reasons this, this widow didn't see much in her oil was because she didn't feel like much. You know, I, I really sympathize with this woman. I do, because she's just lost her husband. She's about to lose her sons, about to lose her, her provision. She's at her lowest moment, and she probably didn't feel like getting involved in the miracle. She, didn't probably, she probably didn't feel like she had anything else to give. No wonder she didn't see much in her oil. Can you imagine the pain and disappointment she must have been feeling? And so when Elisha says, what do you have in your house? When she first says nothing, it's probably because she felt like nothing. Her external response is mirrored by her internal feelings. What do you do when you don't feel like you have enough to do what God has called you to do? God, I don't, I don't have enough to continue to, li- to, to, to love. I don't, I don't have enough to keep serving. God, I don't, have a, I don't have what it takes. What do you do with your, your feelings? Because we all have feelings in this room. We, we all have feelings that we are trying to internally navigate. In fact, we all came to church feeling some type of way. Some of you came to church feeling excited to praise God. Others came to church feeling like you wanted to strangle your kids because they never listened to you. And, and some came to church feeling, if I can just get through this service, if I can just get through this day, it's a success. What do you do with your feelings? It would be wrong of me to say, well, just ignore your feelings, push, push, push through, because we're not robots. We all, we all have feelings. We experience things that, that hurt, that can be painful. So it, it wouldn't be wise or even right to say ignore your feelings. We shouldn't ignore our feelings. But you know what else we shouldn't do? We shouldn't be led by our feelings. Our, our feelings can be a good picture of our emotional state, 
but they can be really dangerous when we allow them to lead us. Because I can go all over the place. I can leave my job. I can leave my family. I can leave my church. I can even leave my calling when, when I'm being led by my feelings. If, if we're not careful, our feelings can even destroy us. Because sometimes I don't feel like it. Can, can I be honest? Sometimes I don't feel like going to the gym. <laughs> sometimes I don't even feel like coming to church. And sometimes I don't even feel like God is with me. We got to be careful to allow our feelings to dictate what we do because our feelings can be a good indicator, but they can be a terrible decision maker. We got to be careful. As, as uh, some of you will know that me and Hannah are getting ready to, to get married and, and I want to try to be prepared for the marriage. You know, I know people always say that you'll never be fully prepared until, until you just get there, but, but I, I want to try to be prepared. I know, I know I'll, I won't be fully prepared for just how messy she is and, uh, I know she's not going to be prepared for just how many shoes I buy, all the packages that are coming to the door. I, I know we can never fully be prepared, but I want to try. So I was reading this, this Christian article that said five things you should try to avoid in your marriage. And one of the things said to, to try and avoid being, being led by your emotions, by your feelings in the marriage. And, and it said this quote that I thought was so powerful. It said, choose what is valuable in the long run over what feels easy in the moment. And, and, and it got me thinking more than just marriage. It got me thinking about what God has put in, in our life. Because if we're not careful, if we're led by our feelings, we can choose, we can dismiss what is valuable just because it doesn't feel substantial. We can choose, we can dismiss what's valuable in the long run because it doesn't feel significant in the moment. So we throw away what God has put inside just because it didn't feel meaningful, just because it didn't feel significant. Right, I, I, need to, I need to illustrate this because I want to help us understand this. I need, I need a volunteer, someone who I know goes, goes to the gym. So, Ricardo. Yeah, great. Can we, can we give a round of applause for Ricardo? <laughs> Ricardo, um, there's, there's the mic for you there, if you just bring it on the stage. Right, I, I'm going to help us illustrate how we can sometimes dismiss what's valuable just because it doesn't feel substantial. Okay. They're, they're the, uh, you can just drop it a little bit. Yeah. So there's these two bags. Ricardo, can you just pick up those two bags to your side? And tell me, which one feels heavier to you? Which, which one feels heavier? Was that mic on? Oh, it might not be on. It's okay. Well, which one feels heavier to you? The right one. It's right. Can you, can you lift it as high? Okay. By the slow, by the slow show, I can tell. Okay, you can tell. Okay, that one feels heavier, right? Feels more substantial. So the one in Ricardo's right hand feels heavier, feels more substantial. And see, what we do with God is we choose what we think, what we feel is substantial. And so we choose our wants over God's provision because it feels more desirable. We, we, choose, we choose the riches of this world over the kingdom of God because it feels more pleasurable. We choose, we choose our, our will over God's plan because we feel like we're more in control. So we choose what is more, what we feel is substantial, and we dismiss what God is called valuable. Ricardo, you've never seen these bags, right? Never seen it. Can you open the bag that you thought was more heavier, more substantial? What's in that bag? Take it out for us to see. Just, just one of them. <laughs> what is it? 
got a brick in my hand. You got a brick in your hand. This bag that he thought was heavier is a bag full of bricks. It's not very valuable, is it? No, not for me at least. <laughs> okay, can you go look at the other bag? Tell me what's inside that other bag. Just open it. Open it. What, what's it, what's in there? Valuable stuff. What what valuable stuff? So we have an iPhone um, 10, iPhone 10C, um, and 10C, and uh, th- 30 pounds. 30 pounds, or actually 40 pounds, 40 pounds. Tell, tell me, which one, which one is more valuable, the money and the phone or the bricks? We obviously know the, the money and the phone is more valuable. Now, it didn't feel substantial to Ricardo. In the moment when he lifted it up, come on, I'm preaching now. In the moment, it didn't feel substantial. But what is more valuable is inside this other bag. And so sometimes our marriage doesn't feel significant. Sometimes our job doesn't feel important. Sometimes the calling of God doesn't feel like we're adequate. But I'm telling someone, stop dismissing the value that God put in your life just because it doesn't feel significant just because it doesn't feel substantial because I've decided not to be led by my feelings but to be driven by faith I don't want to be led by my feelings this isn't a Drake album I'm not going to get caught up in my feelings I've decided to be led by faith that's why whether I feel like it or not I'm going to love whether I feel like it or not I'm going to worship whether I feel like it or not I'm coming to church because there is power when I praise in my prison there's power when I sing in my storm and there is power when I dance despite my disappointments there is power when I rise above my feelings and I'm led by faith and I want to let you know God works not in spite of our feelings but through them it is it is often it is when I'm in my lowest moment when I feel like I can't go on anymore that I can experience my greatest breakthrough when I take a step of faith. That's great. Thanks, Ricardo. When I take a step of faith, it was, it was out of this widow's lack, out of her pain and disappointment that she experienced her greatest miracle when she took a step of faith. I want to ask you, are you being led by your feelings or are you being driven by faith? This woman tells Elisha she only has a small jar of oil. And he says, go, go uh, borrow empty jars from your neighbors. You and your son, shut the door and then pour your oil into these jars. Now, I want you to try and, and put yourself in this woman's position. Like, what was she thinking when Elisha said this? Because if that was me, I would have more questions than answers. Like, what? God, you, you want me to gather empty jars? So you want me to gather these empty jars? What am I going to do with my, my small jar of oil? God, what, am I, what are my neighbors going to think when I just ask for these empty jars? They're probably going to think I'm crazy. God, and even if I get these empty jars, how is my small jar of oil going to fill up these empty jars? God, doesn't that sound crazy? And we read this passage, we know the miracle, we know the end, and it's easier to take a step of faith when you know what will happen. It's easier to take a step of faith when you know the beginning from the end, but this widow didn't know the end. She didn't know for sure that if she poured the little that she had, she she probably was careful. This is the only thing I've got. If I pour it, how do I know I'll have anything left? She didn't know. But sometimes when we're being led by faith, we got to push past our doubts. We got to push past our fears. And we got to push past the uncertainty of what God is asking us to do. 
What I love about God is that I don't have to feel it to trust him. I don't even have to understand it to take a step of faith. See, faith, faith is not restricted to my doubts and uncertainty. I don't need to know all the answers. I don't even need to be confident in the outcome to take a step of faith. In fact, the, the presence of faith does not eliminate uncertainty. It's not like when I take a step of faith, all of a sudden I know everything will happen. I get the full picture and I know it and I'm happy. Faith doesn't eliminate uncertainty, but it operates in the midst of uncertainty. It's when I don't understand. It's when I don't know that I choose to take a step of faith. Even if what God is asking me to do seems crazy, I say, God, I put my trust in you. And faith requires action. Faith, faith requires action. I think one of the reasons Elisha asked this widow to gather empty jars is because faith requires action. It, it requires a stepping out. It requires my part. You see, for many of us, we want God to do everything. But God says, I don't want you to take a passive role. I want you to take an active part in what I'm doing in your life. And so even if it doesn't make sense, even if you don't understand, put your faith into action. I want to ask you, do, do your actions give proof in your trust in God? This widow, whether she knew it or not, as she gathered the empty jars, it gave proof to her trust in Elisha's word. Do your actions give proof to your trust in God? I'm just wondering if I can ask the piano player. This widow, she's there, and she gathers the empty jars. She gets with her sons. She, she shuts the door. She pushes past her limitations, pushes past her feelings. She takes a step of faith and pours her oil into these jars I, I would have loved to have been in that room to see her face as the miracle unfolded. She probably was a bit tentative at first, she, a little bit nervous, not knowing what's going to happen, slowly pouring her oil into these jars. But as she's pouring, she starts to realize, wait, this is working. So, so she's like, oh, oh man, she probably was so excited with her son. She, she was like, come on, come on, boys, bring, bring another jar. They bring her, and that jar gets filled. Bring, bring another one, and that jar gets filled. The spirit of DJ Khaled was on her. Come on, another one, and another one, and another one. And every time she kept bringing a jar, it kept being filled up. And so much so to the point that she kept pouring, and that oil kept flowing until there were no more empty jars. She took a step of faith, and there was an overflow. There was so much that she was able to pay off her debt. In fact, it was, it was more than just her debt. She was able to, to pay and live off the rest of what had happened. That, 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 that same oil, her miracle exceeded her need. And that same oil, which represented her lack, represented her pain in one season, has now become the very source to her joy and her abundance in the next. And, and I love what Elisha says. Let's read this again. Verse 7. I love what Elisha says. He says, when she tells the man of God what happened, Elisha says, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is, what is what? On what is what? Elisha says you can live on what is left over. Aren't you grateful for God's leftovers? Aren't you grateful for the leftovers of our obedience? The leftovers are of our faith because the, the leftovers of my faith always outweigh the leftovers of my uncertainty. It was, it was when the widow took a step of faith, when she poured her oil, there was an overflow. There was a leftover. And I want to let you know, I want to say, God's got a leftover waiting on the other side of your obedience, on the other side of your step of faith. There, there is a blessing. There is a breakthrough. There is a leftover waiting for you. 
this woman who started off with just a small jar of oil now has a room full of jars of oil. I kept asking myself, why did Elisha ask this woman to gather empty jars? I know, I know there needed to be vessels to pour her oil into, and I know she needed to activate her faith. But I, I kept asking, what was the connection between these empty jars? And, and as I was studying this, reading the passage, I saw something I never seen before. See, it was the connection was as she was feeling empty herself, she was required to gather these empty jars. The connection was that the empty jars mirrored the emptiness she was feeling. And what I love about this miracle, and the connection is that is that the, the, the emptiness of her jars, what started off as the emptiness of her jars and the emptiness she was feeling when she took a step of faith, what started off as empty in one season was full in the next. What started off as pain in one season was joy now. What started off as lack in one season is now abundance. And when she poured her emptiness in faith, when she poured her oil into those empty jars, God filled them to the brim connection between the empty jars and the emptiness she was feeling is that God can take whatever feels empty and he can turn it into full. God is the only one. He's the only one that can turn our empty voids and make them full. And so I want to ask you, what, what act of faith, what act of surrender is God, God calling into? Because it was as she surrendered the little that she has, she took the step of faith. It was her secret there was her obedience in the secret that gave way to her miracle in the public. And as she poured, God multiplied. What, what act of surrender is God calling to you? Maybe you're here, you've been going through a difficult season, a difficult time, and, and now you're left in a place of disappointment and despair. Left in a place of frustration, confusion, maybe fear and doubt. And now God is calling you to take a step of faith, to, to surrender. God is calling you to give in the midst of uncertainty. God is calling you to, to love even though you're frustrated with how you've been treated at work. God, God is calling you to, to surrender, to, to leave that old thing, walk into the new, but, but you're, you're, you're afraid of the unknown. But I, I want to let you know, when you pour, God supplies. When you pour, God supplies. When you take the little that you have and you put it into his hands, he always multiplies. We serve a God that has a leftover waiting for us. And when we pour, he supplies because he takes whatever is empty and he makes it full. I want to, I just want to respond in this moment as I'm getting ready to close. If there's anyone in this room, maybe you're here and you're feeling empty. You're feeling dry. You've been going through a difficult time. You're like, God, I don't, I don't know if I, can, I have what it takes. God, I, I don't feel like it. I'm looking at what I have inside, the, the finances I have, the, 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 uh, the giftings. And I don't feel it is enough. My strength, I don't feel I have enough strength. But God is calling you to take a step of faith. I just want to pray for you all across this room. If you're here with every head bowed and, and eyes closed, can you just raise your hand if that's you? If you want to smile? That's great. Thank you. Put your hand up and put it back down. That's great. Thank you. Anyone else in this room? That's great. Thank you. All across the room. Thank you. Anyone else, if you haven't already, that's great. Thank you. Thank you at the back. Thank you. If you're like, God, I'm feeling empty, and, and I need you to fill this, this void. Only you can do it. Oh, when you take a step of faith, you know what you're saying? You're saying only God can fill this empty void. God is saying, would you take a step of faith? Because I can fill it. If, if you pour, I'll supply. But I need you to pour. I need you to do your part. Anyone else, if you haven't already, I just want to pray. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, all across the room, why don't we just stand up as I get ready to close. Can I, can I share one more thing with you guys? 
Because I want to finish on this because whenever I preach, I like to point back to Jesus. I like to point back to the message of cross because there's no greater message than that. And uh, what I love about this miracle is that if you remember what, what this widow was facing was coming after her past, the death of her husband, the present dilemma of her sons and the future threat to, to her provision. It was coming for her past, her present, and her future. She had a debt she had to pay and she couldn't pay it. But when Elisha provided the miracle, not only did he cover the past death of her husband, not only did, did he cover the present threat to her sons, but he provided her with a future oil that was more than enough. Elisha covered her past, her present, and her future. And I want to let you know that just like this widow, we were in debt. We were in debt to sin and there was no way that we could pay that debt. But when Jesus died on the cross, I said when Jesus died on the cross, he took our debt. He paid the past, but not only did he do that, he gave us his freedom, his joy, his peace to live in now. And we have a future, an eternal life with him. Jesus paid it all, our past, our present, and our future. And Jesus can take whatever seems desperate and turn it into hope. He can take whatever seems dark and turn it into light. He can take our places of victory and turn it in, take a defeat and into victory. Only Jesus can take what is empty and make it full. I'm so glad for the leftovers of the cross. I'm so glad for the work that Jesus did. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the work that was on the cross. We thank you, Jesus, that you covered it all, that you paid it all in, in one move. God, you took care of our past, our present, and our future. In you, there is hope. In you, there is freedom. In you, God, there is victory. In you, there is everything that we need. And thank you, God, that you can take whatever seems empty and you can make it full. Only you can. And so, Lord, in this moment, we say we put our trust in you we put our hope in you lord we say god we're not going to be led by our feelings even if we don't feel like praying even if we don't feel like surrendering even if we don't feel like we're enough god we say we choose to live by faith faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen i put my trust and my hope in you god and we call it into being as if it were lord i pray god as we leave this building we're going to walk in a new and a fresh lord we're going to realize what you put inside us Lord we refuse to dismiss what you've called valuable just because it doesn't feel substantial Lord we thank you for what you're doing in this moment we pray in Jesus name amen amen come on let's give him a clap of praise he deserves all glory and honor